All right, y'all, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Upon, <laughs> upon Further Review. Uh, no, it's a never out of bounds. We were trying to do a Upon Further Review, but uh, yeah, let's just get into it. I use a Chromebook at the time, a few, well, a couple years back. The budget dictated to do so. Uh, I had, uh, you know, coming through just a little bit of money, but I was struggling overall, and I said, uh, I needed to do something, I needed to start the podcast, I needed to start the YouTube channel eventually, and uh, this was the um, the economic, the easy economic route. Now, I keep learning, uh, it's not always right to go the easy way, but, you know, at the time, it worked, and, uh, you know, it I was able to suffice, but let's just say it like this it does this is not support real serious uh youtube production podcast production and uh i've been dealing with these problems particularly with the last two videos for some reason so i will be uh i will be releasing the upon for the review but not in the manner in which i had hoped it will be on today's podcast however so i do hope you enjoy it i do go in um a little bit uh in depth uh, the difference between a podcast upon further review and a YouTube upon further review is I like to keep the YouTube stuff a little bit uh, a little bit streamlined, a little bit quicker so you can kind of get the points and kind of get in and get out. I feel with the podcast, I have a lot more time and, you know, and just with the concept of never out of balance, I could just elaborate a little bit more. I could just go in and go off the cup. Uh, I have to really go in with my notes with you know a review because I want to just make sure I'm on topic and so on and so forth I don't want to take too much time to elaborate like I would on an episode like this so you know it's it's a little bit out of whack for me but like, like I said uh, I've been dealing with some issues and but it's no real excuses because you know like I said it's time for me skill wise it's time for me budget wise and because of what I want to do and how serious I have to I, I want to take this it's just I was gonna have to bite this bullet eventually I knew it I knew it was gonna happen it's just uh you know it and it it it, it the 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 route took a little bit longer so it kind of was like okay well maybe I might be able to do this a little bit longer no it's just now it's time to do that um so look for me to be a little bit more diligent here and getting you know more frequent episodes out because YouTube might fall off just for a little bit as I uh, adjust what's going on here again it's gonna take some time just to upgrade I gotta figure out what I'm gonna need what's gonna work and uh, you know what I'm gonna what 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 software I'm gonna need because it's not gonna be apps anymore we, we're gonna upgrade from that we're gonna upgrade from you know free this or free that we're gonna have to maybe buy some of that software as well it has to be taken seriously at this point so because i can't deal with that i need y'all to I, I, I would like for y'all to look at my shit <laughs> i put a lot of time and effort into this because i wanted you know this is how i share you know myself to the world and you know share my thoughts and share what's going on with me and you know i want y'all to be able to see that so um look for that to you know uh happen on my end and uh, on your end, just listen to the podcast. Just uh, check out what I can. Like I said, uh, I'll be trying to do some more frequent things, to, you know, uh, visual, uh, you know. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe even getting a TikTok just so I can just get some uh, quick-ended sports commentary out, you know, or just in general commentary out. So, you know, look for those changes to be made. Again, social media has been my, uh, something I've been having to work with for a while now and trying to get used to. But. You know, it'll eventually work for me, and you know, we'll see what goes down. Anyways, 
Today, like I said, I will be revealing the uh, the car wash upon further review. I also will be going through some NBA uh, NBA update. Of course, we are in the midst of round two of the NBA playoffs. I want to get through all those games uh, pretty much for every series. I also want to get into some NFL updates as well. And back to the NBA, also want to get into uh, the end of the season awards as well. So a bit to get into uh, again. You know, I've been going through just trying to get everything out and, and, and pr uh, prim and proper. It hasn't worked to my advantage as I would have liked it, but it is here. I, I it, You know, I'm doing it. I won't be quitting anytime soon, and it's just more of a back-to-the-lab type of moment. So, without further ado, let's just go ahead and get into today's, uh, today's episode, and uh, let's break it down, of course, with the NBA update, and we're into uh, the conference semifinals. Let's start off with the Eastern Conference with the Bucks and Celtics series. In Game One, we had a blowout uh, in favor of the Bucks, 101 to 89. Drew Holiday would get 25 points in that game, five assists. Giannis would have 24 points, 12 assists, and 13 rebounds. Uh, we had four players scoring double digits for Milwaukee in that game, including Bobby Portis, who would get 14 points, 11 rebounds as well. And uh, Boston was shooting just 33% from the field in that game, 36% from three. So it was a difficult outing in that one. They also gave up 18 turnovers. Though. And the funny thing is, though, that things would uh, things would actually flip in game two with the um, with the Bucks getting the blow with Bucks getting sorry the Bucks getting blown out. Excuse me, 109 to 86. Of course, Giannis and Drew Holiday will lead the way with Milwaukee. 28 points for Giannis, 7 assists, 9 rebounds. Drew Holiday will get 19 points, um, 19 points, 7 assists, and also 4 rebounds. If Jason Tatum, uh, he will come up with 29 points, 8 assists, and 3 rebounds. And Jalen Brown will get you 30 points, 6 assists, and 5 rebounds. 5 total players, uh, 5 total players uh, for Boston in this one scoring in double digits. So, as you had in game 1, the bench for Milwaukee stepping up. Game two, we had the bench for Boston stepping up. We had four Grant Williams getting 21 points, five rebounds. Uh, Boston also scored 65 points in the first half. That's when they did a lot of their damage. The Celtics would also drain 23s while Milwaukee would go three of 18. And, you know, that's what they've been trying to improve so much on in the past uh, couple of years, being that Giannis, you know, he's a little bit one-dimensional. So they've been trying to give him some shooters around him. They didn't really show up in this game. And it really came to, uh, came to bite them. Uh, game three, uh, we have a win here, 103-101. Uh, this one uh, is going to the Bucks. The Celtics were held to just 36% shooting a game. Another game where they were just terrible shooting, 27% from three as well. 17 points in the third quarter. That's not going to win you the game. The Bucks will score 50, uh, 50 points in the paint and get 53 rebounds. The Bucks tend to dominate the boards. Generally, every game, win or lose, that's just what they. That's just their 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 hallmark. Uh, game four, uh, we have the Celtics getting a win here, one sixteen to one hundred eight. So another blowout here. Jason Tatum and Al Horford were uh, combined for sixty points, uh, with Horford getting eight rebounds. Uh, Tatum will end up getting thirteen assists. Now, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown would also get eighteen points. Uh, 18 points each, and Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart would come away with eight assists. So, uh, great, uh, great showing of him passing the ball around. Uh, Boston seems to play good uh, team basketball, finding guys with open shot at least uh, in their wins. Now, Giannis would score 34 points, five assists, and 18 rebounds, and the Celtics would shoot 50% from uh, 
50% from the field. So when you're shooting, uh, when you're scoring 50% or more from the field, I mean, you're putting down those buckets. It's hard for a team to keep up with that pace. It's just the way it is. 25 team assists, again, distributing the ball well. We had uh, Marcus Smart with eight of those assists. So great performance by Boston. But let's move on to game five. Things would flip, uh, flip again with the bus getting a blowout. Well, actually a close win. 110 to 107 with Giannis scoring 40 points and 11 rebounds. Jason Tatum will get you 34 points, four assists, and six rebounds. So, this game, uh, this series has gone back and forth. Uh, I think uh, the, the Bucks would, I don't, well, I don't think any team has won two in a row just yet. They've kind of been flipping back and forth. You know, I don't know where this one could go. It's just, it's just about who, uh, who can make their shots that game? Who can create turnovers? That's that's what I'm seeing is is one of those uh, factors right now, um, you know. Because you know Milwaukee is out rebounding the Celtics. Doesn't matter win or lose, they're still going to do that. Giannis is still going to you know make his buckets. Uh, the question is who gonna, who's going to be scoring around Giannis? Um, you know, are we going to have because with Chris Middleton out, you know, we're going to have some assists. You know, we're going to have more. Uh, more consistent help from somebody like Bobby Portis or anything like that. Uh, we know that Boston, you know, they don't play consistent. It's like they haven't played consistent necessarily in each game this series, but we do know Marcus Smart, uh, he can go off, he can get you double digits, he can get you some assists. We know that Al Horford, uh, he's a decent rebounder. He's also going to, uh, he might come off, uh, you know, will go off at some point and get you some good amount of points. So the question is who do the Bucks, just like it is every year, who do the Bucks have outside of Giannis who's really going to make things happen for them? Let's see what happens. Let's move on. Uh, we're going to go to the Western Conference, and um, let's talk about the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Now, this series here is pretty crazy. Golden State leads the series three games to two. In game one, it was a close win by Golden State by one, 117-116. Golden State would shoot 48% from the field in that game. They also would have 31 team assists, 54 points in the paint. So a really solid outing for them. They also will force 10 steals defensively. Uh, Miss Memphis would, outs uh, would outscore the Warriors 36-29 in the third quarter. So making things spicy, uh, trying to rally. But again, it will fall. Uh, they would just fall a little bit short uh, with the game winner from John Morant. And uh, he, would go 30 he would get 34 points in that game, 10 assists and 9 rebounds. But of course, uh, you know, couldn't make that last shot to get that that game won, you know, because it could have went either way. And that game might, you know, might determine that series. So we'll, we'll have to come back and see, particularly, you know, now that we know that Jaws going to be out for the rest of the postseason, if I'm not mistaken. Now, game two was a win for the Grizzlies, 106 to 101. Steph will get 27 points in this one, eight assists and nine rebounds. Jordan Poole will get you 20 points, five assists, three rebounds. And John Morant will be the leading scorer from both teams with, uh, with 47 points, eight assists, and eight rebounds. Now, there were 18 total turnovers from Golden State as well. Golden State will get a statement win in game three. Blowing out Memphis 142-112. to John Morant will get 34 points in that game. Desmond Bain will get you 16 points, 2 assists, and also 3 rebounds. Steph will get 30 points and 6 assists. Jordan Poole, again, uh, the, you know, the most, one of the, you know, top players. Uh, I think one of, I think, ah, uh, man, we, he, he was up, he was up for one of those awards, most improved, or, you know, one of those awards. So, uh, 27 points from him, 4 assists. Uh, Clay Thompson will get you 21 points, 4 assists, and 9 rebounds. And 6 uh, six players for the Warriors were scoring in double digits, including Jonathan Kuminga, 18 points from him. 
Uh, game four, again, things look like it would uh, kind of sway in the balance of Golden State. They get another W, 98-101, to 101, a really close victory. One of those victories, you know, that you kind of snatch and you feel like, you know, that might just be it because, you know, it's like, oh, man, that's the dagger. Steph scored 32 points in that game. Uh, they would outscore Memphis just slightly in the fourth. It came down to the last couple of baskets. 39. Actually, no, they outscored Memphis by 10 in the fourth, 39 to 29. So, again, that was your deciding factor. Uh, again, the game was in the balance. Uh, Grizzlies were, you know, they had their leads. But, again, it kind of just evaporated. And uh, Golden State seemed to overtake them, of course in the fourth quarter so uh that leads us to game five we thought the game we thought things were were over for memphis but they end up getting a blowout here 134 to 95 jaron jackson desmond bain and tyus jones will get you 21 points each clay thompson would have 19 points uh, and jonathan kaminga will score 17 points for the warriors as well uh the warriors were held to just 22 points in the second quarter and memphis had outscored them 42 to 17 in the third that's something that you don't normally see from a Warriors team. I don't know what the hell to think about it, particularly with John ja Morant not there. Is this just one of those anomalies? Well, the thing about it is we could say that, but they went on a significant run without Ja so in the regular season. So it might just be a trap for the Warriors. I don't know. I don't know. I uh something about the something about Memphis when they lose John Morant they turn into Super Saiyan Gohan too. I'm telling you they they it's like Golden State might just fuck around and become sell. I hope not. They will fall apart. Nobody will let it nobody would ever let them Oh my god. You know y'all know y'all can't let this down, right? If y'all lose this series. Despite all the champ I'm telling you, everybody gonna remember, remember when y'all lost to John though? No, y'all didn't even lose to Jaw. Remember when you lost to Memphis without Jaw? It's over. Anyways, let's talk about the Heat. Now, they were able to win their series. The first thing to win their second round series, uh, getting it done against the uh, the Sixers who fell apart four games to two. Game one was a you know a, a win for the Heat, 92-106. Uh, Sixers held to just 17% from three. The Heat controlled the boards, 47-37. Uh, they had 15 offensive rebounds, so 15 chances at second second uh, second chances at scoring. That's how I look at it, and uh, chance to put up buckets. And you know the Heat made the best of that. Uh, they got the, the slim victory here. Uh, 119 to 103 was a score from Game Two. Tyrese Maxey will be the leading scorer for the Sixers with 34 points. Tobias Harris will get you 24, 21 points, four assists, and four rebounds. Bam Adebayo was the leading scorer for Miami with 23 points and nine rebounds. And Jimmy Butler will get you 22 points, 12 assists, and six rebounds. Miami will shoot 51% from the field, 48% from three. That's a deadly combination, uh, almost 50-50. And uh, of course, you know, the Sixers have been just following, following. Falling into descent ever since. Now they will get a win in Game Three. Uh, a weird 99 to 79, uh, 79, 99 to 79 win. I don't know how. Uh, well, let's just talk about it. The Heat were held to just 35 percent shooting, which did not happen for the rest of the series. Again, now that was an anomaly. I don't know. That was weird. <laughs> Only 23 percent shooting from three. Uh, they were outscored in the fourth quarter, 14 to 31. That's that will do it to you. But 
Again, that was the only game in which they really looked objectively bad. Uh, however, well, actually, no, the, the Sixers will get a blowout in game four, 116 to 108. Uh, James Harden will get you 31 points in that one. So he looks great. He looked pretty good in this game. Nine assists and seven rebounds. Joel Embiid will get you 24 points. The leading scorer for both teams, though, will be Jimmy Butler uh, with 41 points and six rebounds. Now, Philly will shoot over 50% from the field in this game, 48% from three again. Almost 50-50, deadly combination, particularly when that team, the, the team that you're facing, just happens to be struggling even just a little bit. You can't keep up with that pace. Uh, now, the somehow, uh, even with that win, uh, the Sixers will lose uh, two straight in this series. Uh, they get blown out in Game 5, 85-120. to Joel Embiid will just have 17 points in that game, two assists and four rebounds. Uh, James Harden will get you 14 points, four assists and six rebounds. And Jimmy Butler will get you 23 points, the leading scorer for the Heat. And uh, six assists and nine uh, rebounds. And Max Struess will get you 19 points and 10 rebounds. Now, Philly was held to just 36% shooting from the field again. That ain't going to work. And that's what Miami does. I mean, they give up one of the lowest uh, one of the lowest shooting percentages in the league. So they're not really scoring on them. Uh, uh, Philly was only able to co convert 28% uh, from the three-point line. And uh, the Heat will shoot 53% from the field. So <clears throat> the factors were against, the, were against the, Sixers, the Sixers in this one. Blew out from the beginning. Never had a lead at any point. And uh, in game six, uh, just the heat, just kind of pulling it off, 90 to 90. Uh, you know, just typical Eastern Eastern Conference playoff game. You know, just rem reminiscent of those 90s games and early 2000s. But James Harden will get you 11 points. I think that's the biggest uh, story of the game. Just 11 points from him. He will get nine assists and four rebounds, but terrible shooting uh, and just nothing there. And Joel Embiid. You know, nothing really to write home about from him really either. And the Sixers were just held to 15 points in the third quarter. You know, they put up a dud. And, uh, you know, just putting up 15, that fit, uh, scoring a little, scoring more than 15 points maybe would have won you guys a game. And just in that quarter alone, who, who knows what happens. But uh, they fall apart. And, uh, you know, James Harden looked particularly bad, but he's looked bad in playoff series. You know, j j you know every time a big game is on the line, he's going to let you down. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, we can we we make so much about what players can do offensively. For some reason, it doesn't matter really what league it's in. It's base, it could be baseball, like you know, like we love the players who hit the home runs, but they don't do shit else. You know, um, you you know, you have a lot of players like that. Uh, in in football, we love you know off you know, you know offensive you know all these different offensive players basketball. And it's more so, you know, more so I notice in the basketball we just hype these, you know, scoring, you know, legends like or we, these 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 scoring athletes like Carmelo Anthony. He's one, he's everybody's favorite scorer, but he doesn't win shit. You know, James Harden. You know, same thing. You know, everybody loves. Oh, he scores all these points. He's phenomenal and all this. It's like Russell Wilson, Westbrook. Oh my God, he he triple double and this that and the other, but he doesn't take his team to the playoffs. He can't lead a team to the playoffs. Um, same thing with James Harden. He just I, I'm not. I'm not impressed by all the points that he scores. I'm just going to keep it real. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not impressed. Not at all. Not, not in the least bit by what he does. Just, just keeping it real. Let's move on. Uh, and none of those guys, James Harden included. Sorry, you can't, you can't impress me by the scoring hella points when you don't win anything. And uh, let's move on. Finally, we're going to go back to the Western Conference with the Mavericks and the Suns series. Now, this is the most intriguing series. Uh, it's the only one that looks, I believe, is tied right now. Three games to three. 
Game one, uh, the Suns get the win 121 to 114. Luka will score 45 points in that game, however, making things close to an extent. Eight re uh, sorry, eight assists, 12 rebounds. Maxi Kluber, sorry, Maxi Kleber will be his next leading, uh, next leading scorer with 19 points uh, for the Mavericks. And DeAndre Ayton will be the leading scorer for the Suns in that game. Won 25 points, 8 rebounds. Devin Booker will get you 23 points, 8 assists, and 9 rebounds. And the Suns will shoot 50% from the field, consistently doing that throughout the series. They've also had games where they will shoot 60, uh, 60% from the field. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, five players scoring in double digits, including CP3. Uh, he would have 19 in game one, five rebounds, three assists, and guard Cameron Johnson uh, will get you all to leave uh, 15 points as well. And they will also control the rebounds department, 51 to 36 advantage. And what went on to game two, a, a blowout win by the Suns. So I'm pretty sure at this point, everybody's, you know, thinking this shit is all over. The Suns will shoot 64% from the field, 52% from three again. Wow. I've never seen that happen. Uh, outscored Dallas 71 to 49 in the second half. Scored 40 points in the fourth quarter alone. 50 points in the paint. Devin Booker will be the team's leading scorer with 30 points, four assists, and four, four. Uh, sorry, four rebounds, four assists, and CP3 will get to 28 points, eight assists, and also six rebounds. Luka Doncic will be the leading scorer for the Mavericks, of course. 35 points, seven assists, and five rebounds, but just not enough. Of course, that ain't gonna be enough with 129 and. You know the sun shooting sixty four percent. That ain't gonna that ain't gonna cut it, fam. Just gonna say right now, you could have scored fifty, and it would have been maybe a little bit closer. Game game three, we got a 103-94 win. Again, um, another another win by the Suns. Actually, this is where, sorry, this is where the Mavericks start to kind of take their take their. Uh, their crown back or start to look a little bit better. Um, Jay Crowder was the leading scorer for for the Suns in this game. 19 points from him. Five assists, seven rebounds. Not a good sign when he's a leading scorer because you got Devin Booker behind him with an inefficient 18 points and six rebounds. Jalen Brunson was uh, was a leading scorer for the Mavericks. 28 points, five assists, four rebounds. Luka Doncic would be the second leading scorer for Dallas. 26 points, four assists, and 13 rebounds. Dallas, again, uh, this was a game where the, where the tie turned, and part of that was because of their bench support. Uh, Dallas had five players scoring in double digits, and uh, defensively they were forced 17 turnovers. That's a way to get back into the series. However, again, things will look like they will fall apart again with, uh, you know, the well, actually, no, the Dav uh, Mavericks would win, win two, will win game four, excuse me. They will win game four, excuse me, 111, 101. Devin Booker was the team's leading scorer, uh, well, uh, the leading scorer for both teams, 37 to 7. Sorry, 37 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds. Luka Doncic will get 26 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds. And Dorian Finney-Smith uh, will get you 24 points and 8 rebounds. So, uh, again, Mavericks kind of, you know, it's going back and forth. Then game five, the Suns get a blowout. You think it's over again. You know, 80 to, 80 to 110. Luka gets you 28, 11 rebounds. Jalen Brunson doesn't do so bad. Uh, but DeAndre Booker puts up 28 points, 7 rebounds. DeAndre Aiden uh, will get you 20 points and 9 rebounds. And Mikael Bridges and Cameron Johnson will get you 14 points. Phoenix uh, will shoot almost 50% from, uh, from the field. They also have 50 total rebounds. So, again, it looked like the Suns might have been able to, again, it's kind of back and forth. It's, it's, you know, tug of war. And then the Mavericks get the blowout win. 
a couple nights ago, 86 to 113. The Suns held at 39% from the field, 39% shooting from the field, 22 turnovers. Again, not a good look. So who knows what happens? We're at Game 7. You know, Game 7s are always exciting. We needed to have one of them at some point early in the playoffs just to kind of make the playoffs it. you got to have a Game 7 at some point. So I'm glad it's with these two teams. Of course, uh, the Suns were definitely everybody's favorite going in. So it's good to see them tested like this. So, uh, it, you know, it's interesting, you know, to say the least. So I'm going to take a quick break here, y'all. I'll be coming back with some NFL, with an NFL update, of course. Uh, we'll be going uh, over the NFL draft. Uh, over some trade news and just an update on, on just kind of how I see the teams looking so far through uh, free agency and also, you know, just the recent draft as well. So I'll be right back, y'all. So I'm back. I'm going to be breaking down the NFL draft, just going through the first round and then breaking down the quarterbacks in this year's draft. Of course, quarterbacks are a big deal in every year's draft. So I wanted to break down the quarterbacks for this year. Also, I wanted to get into some grades uh, for a few teams according to NFL.com. And I wanted to wrap everything up with uh, Bucky Brooks, who's an NFL analyst. I wanted to break down his thoughts on Denver and just how he's well, – uh, we'll break down his thoughts first on Denver about you know how he feels about the Russell Wilson move. Uh, also, I wanted to break down how I feel the NF- AFC uh, West will shape up in pretty much all the divisions on top. Actually, let's just start off with the AFC West, and then I'll break down uh, some div- more divisions as I you know re- refresh myself with all this information. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Let's break down the draft with the first round. And the first pick of the draft was, of course, by the Jags. They ended up picking up defensive end out of Georgia, Trayvon Walker. He's being described as a Swiss Army knife, of course, by scouts who can play at the edge as well as nose tackle. In 2021, he would have 33 total tackles, 7.5 for loss, 6 sacks, and a fumble recovery. Of course, Georgia will go on to uh, beat up Alabama in the national championship game. And defense was pretty much the main protagonist behind that. Uh, the number two pick will be going to the Lions, and they will pick up another defensive end this time out of Michigan, Aiden Hutchinson. The number three, uh, the number three pick will fall to Houston, and they will pick up Derek Stingley Jr. out of the LSU, a cornerback. Uh, for the Jets at number four, they will pick up Sauce Garner, a defensive back out of Cincinnati, highly rated. Uh, you know. All-star caliber, that's what they're projecting. At number nine, uh, sorry, at number five, we have the Giants here picking up Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end out of Oregon. I'm pretty familiar with this guy here. 2021, he would have 49 total tackles, seven sacks, two forced fumbles, a unanimous uh, All-American. Scouts are pretty high on him. I will say as a watcher, uh, of course, I'm a big fan of Oregon Ducks football. I watch watch a lot of them. Uh, But, um, I will say there may be some questions about his motor compared to if you, you know, compared to maybe Trayvon uh, Walker or maybe Hutchinson out of Michigan. Uh, I still thought he was a, you know, productive player throughout his time. You know, I just think that's the one only question, uh, question mark. There were some games that he was a little bit absent last season that I wish he wasn't in, particularly against uh, Utah. 
But again, we're moving to a new level. We're on and better now. I think he has just what it takes to be successful. Uh, moving on to number six, we have Akeem Okonwu, offensive tackle out of North Carolina State, ACC's best blocker, the Jacob, the Jacobs Blocking Trophy Award winner, and the unanimous All-American on top of that. At number seven, we have uh, the Giants picking up another offensive tackle, Evan Neal, uh, Bama, out of Bama. At number eight, we have Drake London, Rob receiver out of USC going to the Falcons. The number nine pick would go to Seattle. They would pick up Charles Cross, an offensive tackle out of Mississippi State. At number 10, we have the Jets again picking here, uh, getting Garrett Wilson, a raw receiver out of Ohio State. Chris Olave, his teammate uh, down there at Ohio State or out, uh, well, I guess up there because they're in Ohio. <laughs> he will go to the Saints, however. I snorted a little bit. Damn, that's not funny. That's not cool. Y'all going to roast me for that, but that's fine. I'll take that. The Lions will get the number 12 pick. They will pick up Jamison Williams. Again, another Alabama wide out here. Uh, really supreme talent here. 2021, uh, he's a first-team All-SEC, All-American. Senior nine receptions for 1,572 yards, 15 touchdowns. He did suffer a torn ACL in the championship game, but the upside is high on him. And the Lions, they need players with the, uh, the high upside and who can play. So, because they want to be good, eventually, you think. So, I think it's a good, solid pickup. I thought so. Uh, at number 13, we have the Eagles. They pick up defensive tackle out of Georgia, Jordan Davis. I believe Georgia had a, a record for players drafted in the first round, something like that. I mean, again, that Georgia last, that Georgia defense last season is amazing. So, if you're an Oregon fan, having Dan Lanny as a head coach, you should be a little bit happy. I'm just saying, because that defense is good. Now, I'm worried. I, I saw the spring game. I'm a little bit worried about quarterback play, but I like the defense. I will say that. At number 16, we have, sorry, number 15. No, let's go 14 first. At number 14, we have Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. He was picked up by the Ravens. At number 15, we have the Texans again. They pick up Kenyon Green, an offensive tackle out of Texas A&M. So he stays in his home state. Uh, that is if he's from Texas. You never know. These people, they come from all over the country. I'm just saying. Uh, but anyways, he stayed where he went to school. Uh, the Commanders, yes, formerly the Redskins, formerly the football team, they will go ahead and pick up Jahan Dotson, wide receiver out of Penn State. Now, here's an interesting pick here, and we'll talk about why. Now, the Titans will go ahead and pick up Wide receiver Traylon Burke out of Arkansas. Now, why would they be picking up a receiver in the first round? Because they traded the way they're starting most productive receiver, A.J. Brown. Why? They couldn't come to terms with a contract. So, they ended up trading him. Can't remember off the top of my head which team they traded him to. We'll have to see what happens with him and how things develop. But they ended up tra uh, getting Traylon Burke. Again, uh, highly scouted, highly, you know, praised by the scouts. You know, you, you never know until the, you put the pads on. I, I don't like making too many predictions, but particularly way into this part of the year. But, um, you know, I'm more of a let's just put on the pads and just see what, what happens. Uh, but at number 19, we have Saints uh, picking up an offensive tackle here. Uh, looks like they're going to be staying with uh, either Jameis Winston or your boy Taysom Hill, probably Jameis Winston, but they pick up offensive tackle, uh, offensive tackle. Excuse me, Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. He is a little bit raw around the edges. He needs to work on his technique, but he can be a mauler, particularly in the run game, if they give him again the proper guidance. He looks like he has a pretty solid. Um, 
pass uh, pass blocking technique as well. But again, it's raw and he needs to be developed. But I believe he has the time and the depth to do so there in North. Uh, sorry, New Orleans. And number twenty, we have the Steelers picking up again a, a a hometown product at least for the college scene. Kenny Pickett, quarterback, of course. Pitt, 2021, he was 11-2 as a starter. He was third in the Heisman voting. He would have 4,319 yards. 67% of his passes were completed for 42 touchdowns and seven, seven interceptions, of course. Everybody wanted to talk about his hand size. I don't know about all that. I'm not into that part. I'm more concerned of Kenny throw. What is his mechanics like? I don't hear too many negative things about it outside of things that can't be adjusted uh so i'm gonna have to say that that was a solid pick of course they needed a quarterback and i that's probably the best one uh available uh for what it's worth at number 21 we have the chiefs picking up trent mcduffie a defensive back out of washington at number 22 we have the packers picking up linebacker quay walker again georgia is just wow defensively oregon you gotta be happy your defense our defense should be pretty solid it better be at least within a year or two. Uh, number 23, we have the Bills, Kyir Ing, uh, Elam, uh, defensive back out of Florida. He, Like I said, he goes to Buffalo. At number 24, we have the Texas. They pick up uh, offensive tackle, sorry, Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. Again, they've lost a couple people. I wanted to play Flozell Adams, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, it was Trey Collins, a uh, couple, couple offensive tackles to say the least. Uh, so they're looking to retool there, and, and that's a good, that's a good pick there. At number twenty-five, we have uh, Tyler Lindenbaum, center out of Iowa. Of course, he goes to the Ravens. Uh, that's a good spot uh, there. That's something that they could have uh, definitely revamped was their offensive line as well for the jets they pick again in the first round they pick up J jermaine johnson defensive end out of florida state at number 27 this was my favorite pick of the first round because again i love putting off for the west coast i love putting off with pac-12 football i love having an excuse to do that uh, we have devin lloyd linebacker out of utah phenomenal story phenomenal background uh, in my opinion a really solid character guy uh, just from what I've seen in Pac-12 football play, two-time first-team All-Conference, Pac Tillman, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, also a first-team All-American. On top of that, led that squad uh, to the uh, to the Rose Bowl, and just a really great player all around on the on the defensive end. 66 total tackles, eight sacks, which led the conference, and he also had four interceptions, which is more than some of the defensive backs that have been drafted. Keep that in mind. Oh, uh, moving on, we're going to go to uh, Green Bay where they pick up Devontae Wyatt again, Georgia. Ooh, now Oregon. Come on now. It's landing. Ooh, man, I'm ready to win, baby. Man, I'm excited. I'm looking at all these Georgia players getting drafted defensively. Mm. Okay, Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle. At number 29, you have to pick uh, the Patriots picking up Cole Strange, a guard out of T uh, Tennessee, Chattanooga. Uh, I'm not, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I'm not really well versed about the smaller school guys. I just, it's just not, I mean, I have to literally just randomly just look them up. Because, uh, again, if they're not already, if they're not already on a game that I'm watching or like ESPN coverage, if their games are already on ESPN coverage, I can't even remember to look them up sometimes. And there's just so many names, so many smaller schools. These guys, you know, like the George Karloftis is out of the Purdue's and, you know, out of the, the Purdue's and Aiden Hutchinson, you watch those guys a lot. You know, they talk about those guys a whole lot. There's so many, you know, videos you can watch on those go those guys alone. 
you know, it, Trevor Penning, he just happened to be on social media for a while. They talked about him and his draft placement and, and showcased him for a while. That's one of the, the only reasons why I know about him a whole lot. But again, you know, these small school guys, I can't keep up with all the time. So I don't know a whole lot about him, but the Patriots picked him up. Uh, number 30, we have the Chiefs picking up George Karloftis, an edge rusher out of Purdue. Uh, at number 31, we have the Bengals. They pick up Daxton Hill, a safety out of Michigan. Of course, this is insurance for their secondary. Uh, apparently, Jesse Bates, uh, they're trying to figure out what to do with his contract, and they're trying to figure out whether or not Eli Apple can be a part of the mix if he can you know, up his game. I don't know the deal. Uh, we also have number 32, the last pick of the first round. Louis Cine, uh, safety, again, out of Georgia. Uh, solid 2021 season, 49 total tackles, 12 pa uh, pass deflections, excuse me, and two interceptions. Now, now that we've gone out of the first round, let's kind of break down the quarterbacks. Of course, like I said, quarterbacks are such a big deal in every draft. Uh, so let's break down where the rest of them went, uh, at least the ones that got drafted. Sam Howe, which is kind of unfortunate. I don't know how he didn't get drafted. Anyways, we got Malik Willis uh, out of Liberty. He would go to the Titans. In 2021, he uh, completed 61% of his passes, 2,857 yards, 27 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Uh, we also had, he would also have 875 yards on the ground and 13 touchdowns. And also, we have Matt Corral being picked up by the Falcons. 2021 was a solid year for him despite being injured near the end of it. Of course, 67% completion percentage, 3,343 yards, 20 touchdowns to just five interceptions, 614 rushing yards, and also 11 sorry, eleven touchdowns for uh, Matt Corral. And Desmond Renner uh, from Cincinnati, he was going to be picked up. Oh, wait a second. Matt Corral did not get picked up by oh, the uh, the Falcons. Uh, let's, let, me, uh, let, me, let me rephrase that. Excuse me. He got picked up by the Panthers. Uh, him and Ritter are going to be division rivals. That's why I got the confusion. That's my bad. Ritter got picked up by the Falcons. Solid 2021 from him. 64% uh, completion percentage, 3,334 yards. So similar to Corral as well as numbers, but uh, in terms of yardage and completion percentage. But he had 30 touchdowns to eight interceptions. So clearly, you know, in terms of touchdowns, uh, you know, the superior quarterback. But just in that department, um, there's some knocks on him as well, particularly with reading defenses. Uh, but there are some things going well for him as well, like uh, the ability to be able to uh, throw on the run. Uh, Matt Corral is getting a lot of love for those abilities as well. Malik Willis, uh, he has he's getting a lot of love for his arm. Um, you know, his he has a cannon apparently, but accuracy issues is going to be uh, one of his biggest knocks on top of that. So, again, uh, these are the, the other top, the other highly rated quarterbacks uh, that were picked up. Uh, one of them we'll talk about in just a little bit. Wasn't as highly touted, but just uh, but just to throw it out there, uh, Bailey Zapp out of Western Kentucky, he would be in the, he would end up uh, being picked up by the Patriots, but we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, now, let's break down some of the grades for the draft for some of these teams, not every team, of course, uh, but this is, of course, according to NFL.com, uh, for uh, one of the best-rated teams or the highest-rated teams were the Ravens uh, this year who were given an A. In round one, they would have uh, three picks, including Kyle Hamilton, of course, Tyler Lindenbaum, uh, but they will also trade Marquise Brown to be able to do so to the Cardinals. So that should be interesting. Uh, the Cardinals get a very productive receiver, just especially with, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins missing some time right now because, of course, he got popped with some performance enhancers. 
you know, banned substance. We're just going to keep it like that. There's a little bit more nuanced uh, situation here, so I'm not going to pass judgment on him. I understand it. Just It's just what it is, and he just happened to get caught up. But with that being said, Marquise Brown is a good replacement for what's going to go on for the next few weeks for them, or at least when the season starts. Uh, now, for round two, they will pick up David Ojabo, an edge rusher out of Michigan. In round three, they will pick up defensive tackle Travis Jones out of uh, Connecticut. And, uh, you know, round four, they will end up picking up six players, uh, including Jalen Amir Davis, defensive back out of Alabama, and, of course, Charlie Kolar out of Iowa State. So, again, they're gonna have a whole bunch of they're gonna have a whole bunch of tight ends. That's always been Baltimore football. Uh, they also pick up uh, running back Tyler Buddy out of Mizzou. So uh, these players, particularly Kyle Hamilton, are highly rated. You know, really solid draft for them. They really didn't miss, uh, in my opinion. Uh, of course, NFL.com says the same. Another team that's given an A here we have uh, we have sorry the Jets. Uh, three total first-round picks. We talked about them, Jermaine Johnson being one of them. In round two, they pick up a steal, in my opinion, with running back Brees Hall uh, coming out of Iowa State. Two-time All-American, two-time Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, also two-time All-Big 12. Last season, he would have 1,472 yards and 20 touchdowns on 5.8 yards per carry with the Cyclones. So, again, a change of pace back. I believe he could be possibly an every-down back. He seems to have the sides. My question, I don't know. I have. I don't watch a whole lot of Iowa State, uh, so my question would just be his durability. Uh, but I haven't heard anything significantly about him being out for any, you know, real long length of time. Uh, usually, when I look through their uh, their Big Twelve action, he's usually in the box score every week. I don't remember a week that I hadn't seen him. So productive running back, uh, historically one of the top. Uh, running backs in Iowa State history. I think that's a steal there for, of course, the Jets. Because, of course, all running backs could eventually be a steal because they don't draft in the first round no more anyway. So it is what it is. It's just natural. Uh, moving on to round three, uh, they will pick up Jeremy Rucker, a tight end out of Iowa State. Sorry, Ohio State. Uh, they also got two picks. I believe that would be in round four. Uh, they got, uh, including... A defensive end out of uh, a defensive end out of Texas A&M, Michael Clemens. Uh, moving on to the Bears, uh, they were pretty much average, middle of the pack. Uh, they got two picks in round two because they traded away their first round pick for some odd reason. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, they will pick up Kyler Gordon in the second round. Like I said, they will get two picks in that round. But uh, Kyler Gordon, defensive back out of Washington, uh, is given a prospect grade of 6.31. Now, that will go on to say he's, uh, well, he's that would mean he's projected to be a quality starter at the position. So, pretty solid pickup. First team all-conference started all 12 games for the Huskies last season. Nine pass deflections, two interceptions last season. They will also go on to pick up uh, Jaquan Brisker in the second round, a safety out of Penn State. In round three, they will pick up a wide receiver, uh, Velas Jones out of Tennessee, a special team specialist with some issues in terms of with some issues on the receiving end, and that includes footwork and route running. So a little bit lower rated. 
so you do have that but again a special teams contributor in round five they will get two uh, picks uh, offensive tackle Braxton Jones out of South Utah State and also Dominic Robinson defensive end out of Miami of Ohio in round six they will make the most of it getting some getting some quality depth here uh, with six sorry uh, three picks including offensive guard Zach Thomas from San Diego State rated as a backup uh, but has uh, but and he does have some technique problems again technique can be trained technique can be coached again he just needs practice with that so that can be uh, adjusted but just in terms of hand and body placement and of, of course explosiveness off the snap a couple things he needs to work on but he can work his way to the rotation to some extent Round seven, they would also get three picks there, including Elijah Hicks, a defensive back out of California, Berkeley. Uh, for the Patriots, they're ranked a D here. And to be honest with you, I don't know why. I really don't know why. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why, and I'm going to tell you my thoughts on uh, how I truly feel about how this team did. Uh, well, they were given a D, uh, by the way. Uh, but round one, we talked about, well, we mentioned Cole Strange, an offensive guard out of Tennessee Chattanooga. Uh, now, he was proje- he was rated at a 6.9 and at a 6.2, which is still projected to be a starter. He was a first-team all-conference in 2021. In the next round, uh, they will pick up wide receiver Tyquan Thurton out of Baylor. Uh, he's rated as a 5.97. Now, this is a slightly lower rating, of course, so that would put him as a backup. Now, he was a second-team All-Conference despite being injured. Hmm. 62 receptions, 948 yards, 10 touchdowns despite being injured, but yet rated a 5.9, and you know, uh, dismissed as a as a quality draft pick. There is knocks on his size, an ability to deal with uh, certain coverages. I believe they said press coverage, but praise for route separation. So my thing is, if he can separate in his routes, is Matt, is press coverage really that much of a problem? Maybe because of his size, but he must have some speed or technique to make him a solid player. I have a dis I disagree with him being rated at a five point nine. I would have to go as just as high as about where Cole Strange is at. He was a second team All Conference, uh, could have been first team. Uh, despite injury, I think the numbers show show that um, uh, almost a thousand yards uh, in terms of receiving, also uh, ten touchdowns. He can score, so I, I think they missed the mark with that one. I don't know why they're starting to really kind of bash, I guess, Bill a little bit. I don't know if it's remnants of Tom Brady and them riding with him in the media. I don't know what it is, uh, but I didn't like that take necessarily. Uh, and actually, when I watched the film by him, really solid player. Uh, and we'll move on to how I feel some more about this. In round three, uh, they would go on to pick up Marcus Jones, a defensive back out of Houston. In round four, they would have three picks, including defensive back Jack Jones out of Arizona State. Now, he was graded at a 5.69. Now, Jones was rated as a 5.6. Now, this would mean the bottom of a rotation or even the practice squad. Now, this is a player that got honorable missions for Pac-12 honors. Hmm. 42 total tackles, two and a half tackles for loss as a safe as a safety slash defensive back. Six passes defensed. Hmm. Eleven games, seven starts, three interceptions. But he was projected as a seventh round draft pick. Now his three interceptions are more than Louis Cine, who was drafted in the first round. He has 
four, about five, six tackles less than him. Hmm. Same position. And he has two and a half tackles for loss. Now, I will say he does have some, he did have some issues in his past. Now, he did get arrested and had to be dismissed at USC uh, due to some off-campus issues. Uh, now, he was also suspended at one point in time uh, for ASU in the 2020 season. So, we have to, we do have those knocks. Uh, but in my opinion, personally, if, you know, he keeps his head on the right track, I believe he's a good project pick. He has good ball hawking instincts, which in my opinion is great for a secondary player. Personally, I feel as though, particularly with, you know, the emphasis on the D linemen, particularly the edges to get after the quarterback, that creates a lot of energy. It's down after down, drive after drive after drive, just scoring after the quarterback. Sometimes you want to get uh, turnovers. You want to create turnovers. You want to get an interception or a big fumble to turn things around. This player can do that, particularly if given the right uh, given the right coaching. On par with interceptions with higher drafted defensive backs, and has the ability to recover underneath. He has the great. He has the foot quickness and lateral transitions for the position. His biggest issues, though, are being are are losing out on 50-50 balls. Now, a lot of a lot of uh, scouts will have an issue with that, and that makes sense. And you know, he could be you know he could be locked up by blocking receivers, you know, pretty much on the outside during running plays. But I will say this: I think that has a lot to do with his size. He's a smaller guy here, a little bit under six feet, of course, a little bit under two hundred pounds. Has a lot to do with his size, particularly on those running plays and some of those bigger, you know, those bigger receivers on those 50, 50, 50 balls. You know, just those bigger receivers are going to have a little bit more body to get things done. But you can put him in on certain packages, again, if he's trained right, if he's in the right system. What does Bill Belichick do? Just saying. All, a lot of his issues can be improved, again, with good coaching in terms of his his technique, in terms of his consistency and timing with his feet and his reaction time. A lot of those things can be coached. A lot of it has to do with confidence and being able to, knowing, you know, what to do. But he's on par with passes defended, you know, on par with tackles with these guys. He does have the character issues, the trouble that he's gotten into. But I personally think here this is a great project pick that went under the radar for some different reasons. Round six, they will have three picks, including uh, sorry, center Jason Hines. And in round seven, they will wrap things up with Andrew Stuber, an offensive tackle out of Michigan. So again, I I thought that they kind of missed the mark with uh, the Patriots here. I thought they did a lot better than what people kind of are giving them credit for. They got players that fit the system. They got players that they can they can you know work with that will work directly for them and what they got going on. Y- y'all missed the book. I mean, uh, y'all y'all always seem to miss the plane on Mister on Mister Bill Belichick. He knows a lot more than what y'all think he does. So again, when y'all think he's doing wrong. I, I know he's doing something smart. So, y'all go ahead and keep putting him down because y'all don't like him no more because of the Tom Brady situation. I don't care. I know he's a good coach. Anyway, I wanted to wrap things up here. Of course, uh, I want to talk about, uh, you know, some thoughts about the AFC West, particularly with what's happened lately, you know, of course, with uh, the offseason free agency. And, 
I wanted to kind of share my thoughts on kind of how I feel about the division now, uh, you know, particularly after the draft. And this is, of course, stemming off of, like I said before, I came across an article about Bucky Brooks kind of sharing his thoughts uh, about the uh, Denver Broncos in particular. I believe it was on NFL.com. Don't don't hold me to that. But uh, he would go on to say when asked about the Broncos, he would go on to say, when I look at this team from 1 to 53, I, I feel like they are at the bottom of the division. I look at what the Kansas City Chiefs have done to the Chargers and Raiders, and I do not see a more talented team. Yes, Russell Wilson certainly closed the gap at quarterback at the quarterback position, but the rest of the teams are absolutely loaded. To an extent, I agree with that. Um, I don't think that you know they brought in a big enough name at wide receiver. I don't think they have a, a you know a household name at running back. But I don't think a lot of those things matter. If you look at what the 49ers can do with what they have, you know, you don't know a whole lot of those players. So I don't, you know, it, it, it's not so much the household name uh, term I wanted to use, but, you know, pro ballers and, you know, all pro guys. Of course, you know, Raiders bring in all pro receiver, you know, Devontae Adams. They bring in a couple great, uh, well, great defensive end in Chandler Jones. Uh, we see some of the things happening uh, with the Chargers. They brought in J.C. Jackson, and that's just you know one of the names. Uh, Chiefs have done their little thing too. They were pretty well ranked in the draft. I think they were given about an A minus, and the Raiders were given a B as in terms of rate. I think Broncos weren't rated that bad either. I believe around a B as well. As well with the Chargers, I think maybe the Chargers were maybe the lowest graded team, maybe about a C, something like that. Uh, but you know I. I do feel that if you if you go by the offensive additions, you know, yes, the other teams seem to be more loaded. But you also also got to say this, you know, uh, you know, last year Denver had a trash offense, but a really great defense. They were the, one of the best teams in terms of scoring defense. You know, does that change for them? I don't think so. They didn't lose a whole lot of players offensively. I think they might have added a few quality players. To be honest with you, uh, you know. Offensively, we will say this: they have, they, you know, they left a lot to be desired. They made a great step in picking up Russell Wilson. Now, however, they're facing this new drama now with Jerry Judy being locked up. Now he's facing some conspiracy tampering charge. Well, he hasn't been. Well, he is facing jail time. We don't know how much you know he could be facing, or if you know he's going to be convicted. But he's facing some type of, cons- uh, not felony, but um misdemeanor conspiracy or tampering charges something like that and uh, so uh, with, a, with a domestic violence enhancer so you know that's that's what's going around well that's what's no that's what's what it is it's not going around like a rumor i don't want to say it like that that's just what it is so they are facing that drama i'm personally i've i haven't been amazed by the broncos linebacker crew uh, after Von Miller left, I mean, I see Nick Chubb there. Uh, you know, we'll see. I think they have decent defensive coaching with Nick Fangio. Uh, I, I don't know if they carry that third-ranked scoring defense into the next season. That's just me. And I think they had a surprising year from their running back department because of, you know, Javante Williams being a new running back on the scene. Not a whole lot of game tape on him, at least on the NFL level. So not a lot of game planning. Um, I think a lot of teams will be ready for him this year, so we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, possible sophomore slump. Again, you count in Jerry Judy being gone. Uh, you know, KJ Hamler. 
you know, I guess he's okay. Charles Sutton, I guess he's okay. None of these guys have really blown anything away just yet. They traded away Noah Fant, I believe, in the offseason. So, I mean, I think Bucky Brooks has a point. Russell Wilson does definitely close the gap. And, you know, some of these teams do look loaded, at least on paper. You know, and looking at it, I just, I don't know if Denver's defense does carry over. So looking at it right now, um, I, I don't think ch things change that much. I think you definitely, well, I think it's a wide open battle for number one between the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. And it, and it comes down, you know, and I, and I do think the Broncos can mix it up in there and, and find their way maybe second or, you know, not, you know, a, a ring record, but third place in the, in the division, if you kind of see what I'm saying, but just barely miss it on the playoffs. I could see that happening with a team like this. But I don't know if if Russell Wilson has pushed the needle all that much, particularly what we what we've seen from Russell Wilson the past two or three seasons. You know, you know, added with they don't have the number one receiver, added with you don't really know really what those receivers have to offer, outside of you know what we've seen from Jerry Judy, the potential that we've seen from Jerry Judy. I don't think we've seen any receiver on that level. You know, so yeah, they got a lot of question marks. They had a solid defense last year, but again, it may not carry into this year, particularly with these teams adding, <laughs> adding you know, weapons offensively, you know? Jeez, I mean, I think one team that could take a step back, though, would probably, if any if any team were to just take a step back, back, it would be the Chiefs. I, I just think that they lost something about losing, you know, Tyreek Hill and just years and years of just not really having a great running game, not really having a solid running game that could really change the pace of a game for you guys, that may come back to haunt them. But outside of that, I definitely think it's a three-way three, three -way, uh, race for first place between the Raiders, Chargers, and, you know, of course, the Chiefs. Um, you know, and, and Denver kind of fits his way around there somewhere. Maybe makes the playoffs. I don't see it happen. Well, maybe, maybe not. I, I can give them that. But I'm not I, – I, I was never in the camp of, oh, they were just a quarterback away or they're just an Aaron Rodgers away from making a Super Bowl. I think that was really hyperbole from their fans, uh, you know, and just certain media people, but mostly their fan base, just to keep it real. Uh, but I, I don't I don't see them, at least right away. They need they need a little bit more. I, there's something that I'm not – I'm not buying that team for some reason. It's just what it is. All right, y'all. Uh, we're going to take another break. And like I said, I got my upon for the review segment waiting for you guys. Of course, it wasn't the format in which I wanted, but it is available for you guys. I got it for you. Uh, of course, uh, Car Wash is the official review for today. All right, y'all. I'll be taking a quick break, and I'll be coming back to wrap everything up. All right, y'all. <laughs> Alright y'all, what is going on? It's time for another edition of a Palm Further Review. Of course, this is your man, Ed 
Jamal. Today we'll be going over a 1976 classic by the name of Car Wash. This one is starring Franklin Ajay. We also got Bill Duke and Ivan Dixon. We also got appearances from Richard Pryor as well as George Carlin and Lorraine Gary. Now this one, it's uh the plot is as simple as just a day in the life of these people at the deluxe car watch in Los Angeles, but it's a little bit deeper as well. I definitely like how the movie uh, gets gives you a spectrum of the different workers and you know just how they feel and what they come to work for and what drives them. Uh, for example, you got people that take this job very seriously. It means a lot to them. People such as Earl and we mentioned uh, Ivan Dixon's character Lonnie. Now he's an ex-con. He's also a family man looking to raise two kids. So uh, he's always you know he's the main one there on time early. And the last one to leave and you know he's closing up shop and he has a whole lot of ideas that could make things better for the owner mr. B but uh, they always seem to fall on death fears he doesn't have the you know always doesn't have his ear but he takes the job seriously like I said Earl uh, you know he's known as the kiss ass of the crew but you know he's the shiner he feels he's special because he doesn't get wet again we have like I said we have the people who take this job very seriously for again their own reasons and of course, we have people who, you know, come in there, you know, they do the job, but they have other uh, ambitions. They have other things and other interests they like to get into. We have guys like Floyd and Lloyd uh, who are would be entertainers, uh, you know, in the in the plot. They uh, have a audition after work uh, for a talent agent. So they're looking to get into entertainment. We also got TC again, Franklin Ajay's character. He's in the comics and into creating his own superhero by the name of the fly. Of course, uh, he thinks he is so fly. That's his thing. But uh, he also spends his plot trying to get back with his girl Mona and also trying to win some concert tickets, trying to have some fun with his life. So again, we have the people who are into it, you know, who come to work, but they, again, have their other things going on. Of course, we got Sly, uh, played by Garrett Morris. Uh, he has his own side hustles going on again. And then we also have, you know, you know, people who come in and they, you know, they have fun at work. You know, they, they're having fun. They're playing, you know, jokes and tricks. Juco, a Chuko, excuse me. We also got Henry Kenji's character, Goody, uh, just the pranksters of the squad and all that. We have Geronimo and Scruggs. They're rambunctious. They're out the night before. You know, they're coming into work. You know, you got Scruggs, you know, tripping about maybe catching the STD because, again, he's just living those wild nights with your boy uh, Geronimo. So, again, we have all this going on. And then we have the opposite end of everything somebody who, you know, just doesn't like their job, who, you know, is very concerned about their. Their position in life and where they see themselves next and you know doesn't know how to express you know certain you know maybe interests you know how to get into those and you know I'm referring to Bill Duke's character Abdullah you know you know on the surface it's easy to pass him off as the angry black man or the stereotype you know of the of the Muslim you know revolutionary black muslim revolutionary of the 70s you know with even with his name you know abdullah uh, bin akbar i believe or muhammad akbar and you know earl shrugs it off the boss mr b you know he still calls him his you know i guess his original name Dwayne. so again he has you know people just dismissing him and again, he, he's at a job that he doesn't like. He feels like he's going through the motions. And, you know, he goes through a lot here. And, and, you know, the movie, it takes him on this, you know, this journey where he's, you know, very antagonistic to people. 
you know, and it leads to him, you know, this mentality of he doesn't take this job seriously. And, you know, again, but that's all because he has all this other stuff unraveling and going on that you don't really see till the end, you know, because, you know, spoilers, you know, again, he eventually gets fired because of just his, you know, at work performance and constantly showing up late because, again, he doesn't take the job seriously. And mind you, I, I relate to a lot of these different characters because I've been at those different levels in terms of, you know, that spectrum and how I felt work or whatever, despite what didn't matter what job. And it was at various states in my life, you know, younger and uh, even as much as I would say up to maybe five, six years ago, maybe even, you know, four, three, you know, just as time. Because, again, you have to grow and you have to get out of those mindsets. You have to find ways to express yourself and in those ways. But, uh, again, on the surface, they, they have Abdullah as this very frustrated, uh, just this mad uh, individual. But, you know, it turns out after he tries to rob, you know, rob the car wash after everything's been shut down, that he's, you know, he's at he's he's really conflicted with what he has going on and it's it's you know led to this depression and you know it's just manifested it's projected itself into this anger and it took somebody like Lonnie to break things down and to you know make him you know question really what's going on uh to get him to to kind of open up again and this is what's important for a lot of us because again a lot of us will get frustrated at our jobs of what we call work and you know and it's up to us to kind of figure out, okay, what is it that we like about this situation? Can we stay here? And if it's just really a matter of just gaining skills or gaining those interests, let's pursue those interests. Uh, because again, starting this podcast, starting the YouTube channel, uh, that's done a lot for me just to kind of uh, even have these interests to get it back into furthering my education. I've been into furthering my, you know, uh, my development, my physical development, getting back into shape. You get those positive ideals. I've even taken my job more seriously. You know what I'm saying? You know, but again, Abdullah, he didn't have those opportunities. So it 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 just manifested in there because he, he truly didn't have, you know, his own his own real niche, really. You know, we have Floyd and Lloyd who, you know, want to be entertainers. They probably, you know, they're singing and dancing. And you have, you know, TC with his comic book interests. And you have guys with families, you know, not just including Alani, but also Charlie as well. Another, uh, another part of the crew as well. So again, we have all these different people with a lot more going on, but he doesn't have those things going on. And, you know, I've been there, you know, and it causes those frustrations. So it's important to open up and important to you know, find those, those positive outlines, you know, and again, it, luckily for him, he had a friend like Lonnie, who, even though he, you know, is rough around the edges, Lonnie still worked with him. Lonnie went at bat for him as soon as he got fired and pretty much tried to petition for him to Mr. B. Uh, although that it initially didn't work out, Mr. B would come back and say, yes, we can talk about it. I'm willing to, you know, have those discussions and even in, you know, listen to some of your ideas about improving uh, everything. But again, uh, back to Abdullah, you know, just to kind of wrap his kind of character arc up because he was such a, a fascinating character in my opinion because he was just so much more when I looked at it again. You know, because again, he was, uh, when I first looked at it, I just thought of him as angry and why would you try to rob the place and all that when I was younger. But now I get it. He's very frustrated. He doesn't have those out those outlets. He feels that doesn't he doesn't have friends outside of, you know, I guess the revolutionary clique that he's with. But, you know, there's not a whole lot of sustained positivity, obviously. And again, he breaks down, you know. So it's important. Again, I, I just stress that through his character, seeing that again, it's important 
that we find our calling outside of just what we do nine to five as well, um, just as much as they are important to some of us. Now, moving on, like I said, you know, this story is is the the day that the day-to-day operations and kind of what goes on in the customers, of course, uh, with the appearance of Richard Pryor. I really like this scene as well, uh, particularly because there is that uh, example of Abdullah's kind of uh, antagonistic behavior. Because again, you know, your boy Richard Pryor, aka Daddy Rich, he shows up in his, you know, fancy car. Of course, you know, he's, I guess you can call him a pimp slash you know, preacher, you know, you know what it is. That's what I do look calls him out for. But everybody sees him as this good guy. You know, this, he just happens to have some money and all that. But I do look again, he calls him out, uh, calls him a pimp and all this stuff. And they go back and forth. And it's interesting because, you know, after which Richard has the, Richard has the pointer sisters finish him off, you know, and they sing in this song to him. You got to believe in something. You know, now mind you, you know the whole point is to kind of get them to get them to go along with Daddy Rich or get him to go along with whatever you know with Daddy Rich. But the question or the statement itself, you got to believe in something means a lot because again, there's almost a feeling that he might not even believe in himself. So he has to figure that out, and you know that character. You know, over the course of the film, we see that there's at least that attempt. Thanks to Lonnie's help, of course, to do that. So we move on. A couple other funny scenes that I liked, of course, we have Lorraine Gary, 1970s Karen. She's going off. She wants everything her way. She's mad because there's another speck on her car. They're not going to give it to her. And, of course, they're not going to give her the extra service. She doesn't want to tip them. Of course, her son, Yak, she gets her come up, you know, her come up. It's, I thought that was funny. Again, I'm not all familiar with somebody. Oh, I, well, I'll tell you this. Outside of, you know, maybe Richard Pryor and George Carlin, a lot of the actors I wasn't all familiar with, uh, maybe with the exception of Bill Duke, because he's made other appearances, of course, uh, that I've in like Predator. I remember that. And, you know, Minister Society. A lot of these guys I weren't necessarily familiar familiar with uh, Lorraine Gary in particular. So when I, I when I was watching this again and, you know, you know, reading about the cast, I had to go kind of, you know, research these people again and, and you know, kind of well, research these people for one and look into what they did. And apparently all these guys were hot. You know, these were all pretty much the who's who uh, to some extent of that time period. So I thought that was really cool to kind of have them, you know, brought together, of course. Joe Schumacher, I believe, uh, produced this. You can tell, uh, you know, just because I feel like certain elements such as Abdullah and Mr. B's kind of interactions and just Abdullah's character development, it just was, you know, things, you know, that they could have went deeper on, but I don't think they can touch because they don't have those experiences, those same experiences. So, again, you have that. But, again, it's something, it's something to look at and it's something to get a base level understanding of, if anything. Um, I definitely uh, liked how they depicted the character of Lindy. I thought it was a bit progressive for the time period and a little bit more progressive than what we see nowadays. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, played by Antonio Vargas. Uh, they definitely uh, script the character in a, I think in a positive way. Uh, there's a, a specific scene with Abdullah where they're going back and forth again. Another example of him just kind of being that antagonistic person. I hate to say it, but, you know, he drops the F-bomb. Of course, I'm not going to say it here. Uh, but then, you know, Lindy snaps back with her line. And, 
or whatever. I'm not getting into that either. Anyway, she, they snap back and everybody's like, oh, you know what it is. And, you know, it was scenes like that. Also, you have a scene with George Carlin that was really good. Uh, he's with an auxiliary character. And what I mean by auxiliary characters, they're not a main character. I guess that's the best word I could say. But, um, you know, uh, Marlene, who's this prostitute, and, you know, she skips out on the tab. But leading up to that, he's all in the taxi cab talking about, I trust everybody. I'm not a racist. La, la, la. You know, he's like fake-ass kind of liberal spiel that everybody's trying to highlight nowadays. Again, they were talking about it back then. George Carlin was already hip to it. And, you know, if he was watching this movie, you would you would already know. Anyways, um, you know, that's just the way it is. I just like to call it out. But, you know, he, he, he even kind of gives himself away because there's this line that he goes, I'm not too sure about us getting married, but if a man wants to eat at a lunch counter, he should be able to do that. So it, it was just hilarious. Uh, this movie goes all over the place. It's just kind of these different uh, perspectives, you know, like, again, you know, the different types of customers, the different types of situations, you know, and how these people and how the and how the people there respond to it. Uh, I think another funny scene, uh, you know, one of the biggest scenes from the movie is the pipe bomb scene. And, you know, there's this guy, well, there's this underlying story and it happened. It just, you know, comes up just a second. And it's like on the radio, uh, on the radio that's in the, ra oh man, the, the soundtrack, but we'll get into that in just a second. But anyways, the radio goes off and it's explaining this, um, this pipe bomber that's around the city and he's blowing stuff up or he's trying to blow shit up. And so there's this scientist type of guy. He's played by actual scientist, mind you. Well, he did I believe he passed away a while back. I don't want to, I'm not, I can't confirm that right at this second. So don't, don't hold me to that. But anyways, they, you know, he fits the description, at least how they feel, you know, the description is and TC and Hippo, they going off, they trying to follow him. And again, it all, you know, hits a hit, you know, comes to a head and, you know, they get him to drop his bottle. Turns out it wasn't a bomb. It was just this older dude. He's, he needed to go to the doctor and he needed to take a piss sample and he was pissed. So it would, you know, this movie went all over the place, but you know, it was a really positive, uh, you know, movie and a positive plot. Again, it's just these different perspectives. For example, like I said, you have people who are very settled into what they're doing and are okay with it. Like Justin's character. Now, you know, he was so settled in working there and, and working with his hands and trying to make that his future that his girlfriend, who's currently in college, Loretta, she was like, nah, -uh, man, you need to do something else. You need to have more ambitions. And, you know, I'm looking for more than that. And so the movie starts off with them breaking up or, you know, supposedly not, you know, wanting to talk for a while. Now, this is another thread that could have went a little bit deeper, This you know, particularly because of what it's about. You have, you know, these two younger lovers, particularly African-American slash, you know, black, however you wanted to call it from the diaspora. And, you know, this is a, this is a, this is an important situation. You know, you have one, one, you know, party saying, I'm fine like this. This is fine. You have another party saying, I understand that there's more that I can achieve. There's more that I want to this and I want to go get it. I think they could have went a little bit deeper on this plot thread as well they just kind of have it conveniently end with her picking them up and they agree to just talk about it at a later date and they kiss and make up and that's cool because it's a positive ending but again you could have went a little bit deeper that he was a little bit scared and not about not being picked up again like he was literally walking on the bus with his grandpa and she just rolled up so again 
that's cool. But again, you could have went a little bit deeper to put a little bit more stakes in that. But again, it's so much you can you can put in there. But like I said, everything ends off with a positive note outside of what happens with Abdullah. But again, that even ends kind of positive because nothing happened. Uh, again, TC, he wants the concert tickets. I like to try it all day to get them. And he's like I said, he's eventually able to get back with Mona. You know, apparently they went out a couple of times and she kind of wasn't feeling it because of, you know, his position in life. She was judging him. She said, I don't want no low class niggas. Wow. And she's a waitress. So I'm like, wow. Like, how can you feel that way? But. It is what it is. I've came across that myself. I'm just, it's what it is. I'm not going to make a negative judgment. I just looked at it and said, that's what it is and made sure I maintained myself. I'm not getting into that negativity. I learned from it. And, you know, TC, you know, he laid it out though. You know, I ain't no baller about to just come up in here and, and trick on you and just sweep you off your feet. I dig you. I'm a, I am like you. We can do something. But if you ain't going to treat me right, if you ain't going to respect me, I'll go somewhere else. And I thought he laid it out perfectly. And that's how you should be with somebody who's not really giving you no, the time of day. Let's let them know, hey, I am interested. I would like to mess with you. But, you know, if you ain't going to treat me right, I can go. And be serious about it. He's gone. She was like, no, nah, no, wait a second. And she was like, no, nah, it's all good. And I was like, oh, all right, yeah, yeah. So everything worked out. Uh, everything has a positive, you know, little undertone or a funny little, you know, undertone. For example, Scrush, Scruggs, excuse me, played by Jack Kehoe. Uh, he, um, you know, he finally, you know, got in contact with his girl, Charlie, who he had been avoiding the whole movie. He didn't want to call her because he was out the night before with Geronimo. I mentioned that. He didn't want to call her. None of that. Ain't like there was some cell phones and then something like he could sneak off and call her without being, you know, looking like a sympathy of his partners, I guess. He was tripping about that. But eventually she shows up. She drops him. And it's funny. Earl, of course, he's a kiss ass throughout the movie. A dog had uh, pretty much shitted on the on the lot at some point earlier in the, in the day and he was trying to make somebody pick it up geronimo i believe and he wasn't having it so they left it on his car he had to deal with that so it's funniness you know you had that serious scene with abdullah but like i said i i want to reaffirm that it worked itself out it wasn't one of those situations where lonnie had to get shot or anything like that the police had to come and everything was positive. It was a good. It was a good film, and I would definitely recommend it if you have not seen it. The soundtrack is amazing. We got, you know, we got Rolls Royce with the title track, Car Wash. We got I Want to Get Next to You, uh, man. Powerful, uh, you know, multi-racial, multi-ethnic, multi-everything going on, and it was fun. You know, of course, uh, very fun characters, very fun plot. Again, there's some there's a little bit of uh, some layers here with some of these characters, a little bit that they could have went deeper on. But again, it is what it is for a comedy. It was really funny. It, that's what matters for a comedy. All right, y'all. If you like what you heard, you can give me a like and a follow on uh, Instagram, and I will be keeping you guys updated there. I uh, also will be having some more projects coming out here on on the tube also on the podcast as well be sure to check that out it is available on spotify and again if anybody hasn't told you i love you peace out one love and i'll highlight all y'all later all right y'all that is it for today i'm gonna be leaving my links available to you guys in order to follow me of course on the social media and please be sure to check out the upon further review or the <laughs> well my upon further review segments on youtube but also the never out of bounds channel on youtube as well all right, y'all. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll highlight all you guys later.